happier place to be. I want grimy Maple syrup is the best. It's so yeah. good. Just be present with me and love me. I won't cry wow. 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 When you touch something, it's not even solid. That's just the electromagnetic field interacting with your nerves. And then you're creating this <clears throat> weird matrix inside your head. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting with the rando, not Nick Hinton, a little bit later. Uh, fun chat about doing random stuff and very synchronicity based, like a synchro chat. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. And he's doing a thing. We sped this one up to the front of the line because he's got an event coming up on March 14th. And you can download this app that he's got and have a great time. And I think Graham and I are going to do it. So maybe you guys should too. Speaking of Graham, we got everybody's favorite podcaster, Graham Randomizer Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> good. How you doing? Oh, not too bad, I suppose. I've been up to my elbows and cat shit today. Oh, yeah, we don't, don't want to talk really about that, get do into no, that. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good. How's that toxoplasmosis going today? I'm probably just full of it, uh, full of toxoplasmosis. I better watch I'm not aggressively driving or anything yeah. tonight. Yeah, you might yeah. just run some reds on purpose. That would explain why you drive so aggressively. I don't drive aggressively, not in the city. When I'm yeah. on the open road, that's different. Mm. Email and... No, 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 I don't do that. <laughs> no, no, I just listen to stuff. Huh. Sometimes watch a little YouTube. Just every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. A little YouTube doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, so the March 14th thing, I mean, we, we got to, it's not really an event. It's, it's all over. Anybody well, can participate all event. over. It's yeah. like, uh, ra it's basically what testing quantum Does random determination, like synchronicities kind of, it could be an operations project. It's a project? No, it was an op operation. It's an operation when you carry it out. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So it's a project until the 14th, and then it's an operation. Then the operation is happening. Yeah, but it happened uh, last year. This is the annual annual uh, anniversary of the operation, Randonautica. Well, no, it's a bunch of events, and this is just the a anniversary of the first event. Okay, there we go. So, right. yeah, it's definitely a project. Definitely. Or sorry, an operation. Yeah, this is a, a, a real operation. You're like whispering today. You're not fired up. Should I kick you? I'm not whispering. Oh, there you go. No, I don't <laughs> feel like it at all. Kick Maybe you, your headphones are low or something. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're good. Headphones yeah, this was a good, good chat with with Nick. All this, all the stuff is in the show notes. Uh, the app and his Twitter and how to get a hold of him for his book as well. The Saturn Time Cube Simulation. Pretty interesting stuff. He's got some crazy synchros. Like I was surprised that. Your reaction wasn't a little bit more crazy to be the I gave him a nine. independent Canadian synchronicity I gave rating him a nine. agency. What's wrong with that? Well, because that's more like nine five, nine oh. eight. Like that's up there. Yeah, like that's up there yeah. in the top three to five synchronicities we've ever heard. Pushing back in the system, eh? I'm pushing back in the system. Yeah. If I was Trump, you wouldn't be pushing back. What? Oh, fuck like, yeah. Are you kidding me? 5 he's chess. Military industrial complex. Oh, out man. of control. 100% he's out of control. He just he's gave $8 billion to someone. 
He's yeah. not out of control. The, Health system, the system's out of control. Yeah. Wait till he destroys the Fed. I mean, what would you think of him then? We'll Do you see. Not think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. You, did you see that in the chats the other day? Uh no, I missed that. Ah, yeah, I missed that. That was good. Interesting. Got me thinking. Did it again? What's going on? Maybe oh, you're back to yeah. <laughs> Graham, all in Dunlop. No, no, I'm not all in on anything, dude. Middle path. <laughs> Middle path. Yeah. Little right leaning path. It's like how it sounds. No, I'm more left. I'm more left, really. Slope that's slightly to the right. No, I'm more left. I'm more socialist. Slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, So what do you got? Maybe I should jump into this. uh, Do the project operation if you want. I don't have that jingle saved. Oh, my God. You don't have the jingle saved. We finally get a jingle and. I could move some stuff around and get to it fairly quickly. Okay. Well, I've got, so I've got two long trip reports that are interesting on email and cha- and from the chats. So I could do that, but they're long. Are you prepared for a long? For a long trip read? report? And I don't have my, I packed my laptop, but I forgot it. So I'm on my phone. So the read is going to be a little difficult. Just letting you know now. Well, your reads are a little difficult at the best of times. I mean, <clears throat> so a trip report? Sure. American Trip Report. <laughs> you pointed at this uh, me to this in our chat. So in our Discord, in our Discord chat, we have a bunch of different channels like Trip Reports, Synchros, Sightings and Spiritual Experiences, The Dream Time. I mean, that's just under the heading Messages from Beyond. But I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in Vices. <laughs> I didn't realize all the subtitles: Cannabis, Pot Stocks. Sports, ball, MMA, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, there's documentaries and bushcraft and the grind. And that's like kind of under the Grimerica thing. It's it's a fun place. The chats are amazing. I can't keep up on it. But Darren pointed me to a long trip report in the chat. So I'm going to read it. Every once in a while, I'm going to try and pull something out of the chats and read it. There's even a Richard Parker uh, thing that we talk about in this episode. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. We get right into the Richard Parker stuff. <laughs> I just, what's your cat's name? Dickface? Why? <laughs> he's got a, he's a, he's a uh, tuxedo cat with the shape of a white dick on his face. That's pretty funny. I better get out of that channel before we get in trouble. That's a NSFW. <clears throat> You're in uh, Richard Parker? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. All right, so this is uh, this is a trip report. This is pretty crazy, actually. I don't think I've ever gone to this length. Uh, this is from Beardman69. So this is when I was living in Kelowna. I was working in the oil patch on a drilling rig, but was on break up, so I basically had the summer off, my first winter up north. So let's just say I had a lot of time and money to spend. So that summer including a lot of partying and a lot of drugs. I was currently renting a five-bedroom house with four other friends. We had a pool, hot tub, and a view of Okanagan Lake. This particular night, me and a few friends went out clubbing for the night. Me and one of my other friends, also named Dustin, let's call him Other Dustin, we met on the rig, and he was also from Kelowna, and we shared the same hobbies, so that was trippy in itself. Decided that we were not going to drink at all that night, but instead have a clean MDMA high. This was as MDMA was getting popular, which isn't as fun in my opinion. So this was straight MDMA. 
throughout the night, me and other Dustin each had three pills throughout the night. We ended up back at my place very late or early as it was about 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. We had one pill left, so we decided to bust it open, split it, and snort it. Oh, boy. We then went outside. We then went outside, and we're not condoning drug use at all here or anything like that, but we do like to talk about people's trip reports now and then. We went outside to the pool deck to sit in the sun. This was summertime, so it was quite warm already in the sunshine. We were overlooking the lake and kind of coming down off the drugs we took throughout the night, but we... But the little we snorted didn't feel like it had any effect, but it must have. I decided to smoke a bowl out of my bong as I wanted to go to sleep. I packed my one gram bowl, torched it, and killed it in one hit. That includes sucking everything through the bowl and clearing the chamber in one breath. Kapow! Wow. That would have killed me alone. That, that alone would have killed me. Other Dustin also decided to do the same thing, even though he didn't really smoke weed. So we finished our bowls looking at the view with the nice blue sky. This is when the next few hours would freak me the fuck out and change my life forever. We were sitting and the lake was down the mountain in front of us. We were looking west and the house was behind us. So almost immediately after we toked, dark, gray, stormy looking clouds came over the house from behind us, almost like a tidal wave. We were both kind of laughing and saying to each other, ha ha, isn't that kind of trippy because of the timing? But the dark gray clouds covered the sky, but only above us. And if you looked west over the lake, it was clear, but directly above us were dark gray clouds. So I was looking at the clouds. I couldn't believe my eyes. I could start to see what looked like rotating gears and even a large shield with symbols on it that kind of looked like Chinese letters or something. They probably weren't, but that's how my mind remembers it. So when I say I was seeing this, it's not that they were physical objects, but when I looked at, my, at the clouds, I could almost change my depth perception, and the lines of the clouds would link together and make these images. So I was still seeing gray clouds, but almost like those popping pictures that you have to cross your eyes to get the image. That would be magic, magic eyes, I think they're called. Magic eyes? Remember those? Yeah. yeah, I like those. You like start with your face up against it and lean your head backwards. These shapes would pop out. I was shaking my head, slapping myself in the face, and I could still see it. I looked over at other Dustin, and he was white as a ghost looking into the sky like I was. The freakiest part of this is when I would look away, I could still see the images in my peripheral vision. It wasn't like I would look and then I could see something. It was like there no matter where I looked. I asked other Dustin if he was seeing what I was seeing. And what he told me he saw was exactly the same as what I was seeing. This freaked us both out even more as we could basically finish each other's sentences on what we were seeing. So freaked out, we ran inside and then back outside. (laughs) We looked west over the lake into a clear sky that had some clouds. We could both see a grid in the sky, almost like large pixels. The pixels would each generate their own image so that when I looked at a cloud... And these clouds were in the clear part of the sky to the west, not the solid dark cloud that was still above us. It was like each pixel was generating the image of a cloud, and with all the pixels together would form a larger, complete cloud, if that makes sense. Very hard to describe. Once again, we were seeing the same thing. As I was looking over the lake, messing around with my depth perception, again, I saw what looked like a Star Destroyer from Star Wars hovering over the lake. Once again, I could only make out the shape of it as I was still looking into blue sky and some clouds. I was so convinced at what I was looking at, I even got my phone to check the news and see if we were being invaded by aliens. (laughs) I could also see what looked like a wormhole. 
and there were more ships, they would slowly drive into this wormhole, turn away from us, and then zip into the wormhole and disappear, one after the other. But we were still just looking at blue sky with clouds. We looked back up above us, this time directly above us. As we were looking straight up, the large dark clouds started to swirl and a small hole up opened up in the center. I was concentrating my vision on this hole and tried to change my depth perception like I did before. Only this time, it was like I was sending my vision through the hole. It was more like a tunnel than it was a hole. There were bends in this tunnel, but my vision could see the end of the tunnel, which was very bright light. This freaked me the fuck out because I wasn't looking through a physical tunnel. Whatever I was looking at wasn't physically there. Once again, we ran inside to recoup. We came outside again, but now there was no dark cloud above us. It was now clear blue sky, but I was a look, as I was looking into the clear blue sky, something didn't look right. Once again, I was messing around with my depth perception. I was sitting in a chair, and other Dustin was too. We both were freaked out to the point of getting out of our chairs and running inside at the same time. What I saw, and the other Dustin too, was what looked like a tip of a cockpit from a large ship or maybe something almost like the head of a snake. It was just blue sky, so once again, so I could only make out the shape, almost like a long tube that came to a rounded point, looking directly at us, watching us. As I got inside, I told other Dustin, fuck this shit, I'm going to bed. So I went to bed. There were no windows in my room, so my room was quite dark, and I, got a, I just had a lava lamp that gave off a very dim light. My door was white, so it was basically the only thing I could see. I was wide awake, so as I was looking at the door, I made the mistake of toying around with my depth perception. All of a sudden, I could see that there were about five to six tall but very thin shadow-like figures standing in my room in front of the door. They were transparent, but I could see the outline. About two to three shorter ones a little taller than halfway up the door, and about three the same height as the door. And when I say they were thin, imagine lying in your bed looking at your door, and with the only the width of the door, there are three beings able to stand side to side. So yeah, I got the fuck out of there. Went back outside, told other Dustin that going to bed is a bad idea. So I decided to go upstairs to grab some water. As I was drinking kitchen water, I was looking across the kitchen, out the window that was overlooking the lake, but something didn't look right. Again, it looked more like a picture of a window than an actual window with a 3D world behind it. So I was fixating my vision on the window when I realized that once again I could send my vision. I was looking across the lake to West Kelowna, which was about five kilometers away, but I could see someone walking across a parking lot. I could see his briefcase, I could see the license plates on the cars and the sun shining off them. I'm not sure if I was sending my vision or pulling the images to me, but either way, what the fuck? So I called up Dustin and he could do the same. So we went into the living room. The living room had a sliding glass door, which was on the side of the house. So when you looked out the glass door, the only thing you could see were cedar bushes that were on either side of the walkway that ran alongside the house. We both stopped and started staring out the door. Once again, it just didn't look right. Okay, so it's coming to the end here. So imagine looking out a glass door, the only thing you can see is cedar bushes. And in the top right corner of the cedar bushes was a small patch of sunlight. The rest was shaded. So as we were both staring at the bushes, we simultaneously witnessed probably the strangest thing yet. The fucking sun rose, so the sunshine slowly expanded and covered the entire area of the cedar bushes. And in the cedar bushes was a village, almost like looking at a computer game that looks down on a village, like Clash of Clans or any of that other stupid shit. 
So basically the sun rose over this village. There were little farmers pushing wheelbarrows or what looked like hay, some twisty roads, which a few cars driving on them. And I have to say again that me and Dustin saw this at the exact same time and the same exact image. So we looked at each other in shock, looked back, and it was just cedar bushes with the sunshine in the top right corner. And then again, the sunshine spread, covering the entire area of the bushes, and the village was there again. Looked at each other, looked back, bushes. Then did it again. So we each saw the sun rise three times in about five minutes. This was the end of our trip. As from what I can remember, this is the rest of the room. Uh, this is when the rest of the roommates were getting up. So we decided. So we ended up talking to them about our experience. Interesting. That was a good one. It was like maybe they're at the end of the rainbow. What's that? They're at the end of the rainbow. I don't understand. So when the sun came out, the rainbow's out, they could see the city of gold. Oh, yeah? I don't know. I just made that shit up. They did. Sounds good. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Know what you're saying. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks for uh, hanging out in the chats and sending in that trip report. So, yeah, if people want to do that, they can always just put synchronicities in the channel or trip reports. We'll dig them out of there. We'll start mining shit out of there. Yeah. Oh, boy. Sorry about the eardrums. Is that going to be leveled out for everybody listening? Or? Should. What? With a little luck. All right, I didn't spend too much time looking because I'm on my phone here. This is Project Ice Worm. This is today's project operation, operation project. Will you, can you guess what this is? I mean, should I ask you to guess what this is all about before I say it? Global warming. No. <laughs> no. Could be, though. Chemtrails. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, that, actually, that would be. A chemtrail could be an ice worm. Okay, can you shut that off? Or, uh, no. no. Project it's Ice Worm. Favorite part. Project Ice Worm was a top-secret United States Army program of the Cold War, which aimed to build a network of mobile nuclear missiles, Ooh. launch sites, nuclear, nuclear, under the Greenland ice sheet. The ultimate object of placing... For some reason it sounds weird <laughs> when you say Greenland, too. <laughs> the ultimate object of placing medium-range missiles under the ice sheet, close enough to strike targets within the Soviet Union, was kept secret from the government of Denmark. To study the feasibility of working under the ice, a highly publicized cover project known as Camp Century was launched in 1960. Unstable ice conditions within this sheet caused the project to be cancelled in 1966. Details of the missile project were secret for decades, but first came to light in January 1995 during an inquiry by the Danish Foreign Policy Institute into the history of the use and storage of nuclear weapons in Greenland. The inquiry was ordered by the par- Parliament of the Kingdom of Denmark following the release of previous classified information about the 1968 Thule Air Base B-52 crash that contradicted previous assertions by the government of Denmark. That's, uh, this is from, uh, Wikipedia, so. Aren't they all from Wikipedia? No, uh, no, I try to go there just to get the official, uh, explanation, but some of them were going to come from more, uh, different resources, I think. Right on. That's good to know. Yeah. Are we mixing it up a little bit? Camp Century was an Arctic United States military scientific research base in Greenland 
and it's situated uh, 150 miles east of Thule or Thule Air Base, and it was built and publicly promoted as a base for scientific research. But decades later, the facts were discovered that in actuality, that was the cover story for Project Iceworm to install sites for launching nuclear missiles in Greenland, a project which was kept secret even from the host nation of Denmark. Imagine that, eh? Using the balls. Powered by a nuclear reactor, the camp operated from 59 until 67. The base consisted of 21 tunnels and a total length of 9,800 feet. Project Iceworm was aborted after it was realized that the ice sheet was not as stable as originally assessed and that the missile-based basing concept would not be feasible. So Camp Century was abandoned and the reactor removed. However, many tons of toxic waste remained buried under the ice and continued to be an environmental concern, particularly with the general trend of ice mass decreasing and the possibility that these materials will eventually get exposed to the surface. Hmm. There you have it. And then um, the global warming materials? What's that? Will they be global warming materials? Materials. What do you mean? Well, the materials that come to the surface, are they going to accelerate? No, the global warming is going to accelerate the toxicity of the planet, the destruction of the planet because Camp Century will be. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. That's terrible news. Yeah, it reminds me of Ragnarok. It's right out of Ragnarok. The Netflix show. Fantastic. Paper I haven't watched that. This down or a pencil. I watched a Messiah. Did you watch that? No. Nope. Physical mail to the Grand Show at PO Box 16033. Next line. Uh huh. 100-815, comma 17th Avenue SW. Next line. Uh huh. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Did you ask them about forwarders? Next line. Uh-huh. T2T space 5H7. That's the P.O. box. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Because he's got a dirty sock fetish. Uh-huh. Why don't you send Graham some gold bullion? Because he's got a gold bullion fetish. Uh-huh. Send him some gold. Send him some gold. Send him some gold in the P.O. box. P.O. box. P.O. box. A gift physical. A gift physical. All right, looks like a book, Children of the Broken Moon by M. Andrew Jones. The Duke of Goring pursues a thief with a posse of 12 men, only he's left the duchy and finds himself in rising waters as several of his guard turn traitor and try to murder him. A wandering shaman searches for a herb to cure an ailing city, only the herb is proving to be quite elusive. As he searches, he meets a mythic worm and is taken captive. All this and so much more. And we have an envelope. Oh my gosh, look at this. Andrew Andrew Jones was at our last uh, contact of the cabin it's meetup. Oh, and he's a knight the, of the no agenda as well. Yeah, it's sealed it's with, sealed with the night wax. Yep. There's ITM on it. I'll try and I'll see if I can salvage the wax the little wax thing as a little souvenir mm-hmm. for us i guess you could do it did you get wax with yours too yep oh boy of course we got a nice little uh nice little shout out by adam they're yeah. not shouting us out on joe rogan yeah um thanks adam curry from the no agenda show turns out you should have listened to darren on that one that's uh, okay. Maybe. We'll, we'll just maybe. Mark that I don't think down. he would have said it anyways, but yeah, enough to agree. All right, there you go, bud. I got it off. Have you used yours yet? 
Uh, yeah, I've used mine. Yeah, I sent an official letter to both of them, Adam and John Cedavorak, asking them to come on the show. One of way them back when, when calligraphy. I even spent money to do a calligraphy. The, oh yeah, we paid for the calligrapher. <laughs> I mean, I used to have calligraphy tools, but the America show. Oh, what do we got here? We got some don't stop. Oh, he always sends us these rare coins. An American gold eagle coin. A tenth of an ounce of gold. Wow, that's awesome. That is awesome. That's, that's a, you know, gold's going to be worth a fortune one day. This tenth of an ounce will help out. Right on. Here you go. Check it out. No, don't stop believing sticker. Oh, I like that. Don't stop. Is that a, is that a sticker or is that a patch? I think it's a sticker. It's a pretty heavy duty sticker. That's good. I think I'm gonna. No, put no, that no, on no, my no, 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 no. Save it. We'll cool. need some stickers to decorate the new studio. Oh my god. Okay. Darren and Graham, it's been a long time since CAC 19 in Pagosa Springs. Here's a little more value for value. And if you'd be so kind, would you push my new book on your podcast? It's a super good fantasy fiction. Your listeners can find it at mandrewjones.com I've also enclosed a couple of copies so you can vet it up yourselves thank you for your courage M. Andrew Jones thanks M. Andrew yeah thanks buddy I think he's uh, I think he's sporting the value for value model because he donated to No Agenda the other day uh, advertising his book and I think he said it was value for value so it might be uh, free or whatever you want to pay appreciate it thanks buddy Totally appreciate it. That's how we speaking uh, of CAC. You want to talk about CAC? Contact to the cabin and there's nothing. It's, no? Oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. There's yeah. another uh, there... Zoom session on Sunday. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Zoom session on Sunday. Okay. I booked all the plane tickets and everything. Okay, good. Yep. Everyone's tickets are booked. Everyone's good right to go. On. We're ready to awesome. rock so and roll. Awesome. Everything has just come together. Just don't kiss or shake hands when we're there. Just don't touch each other. Wear your mask. We actually got some good American cack masks. <laughs> no, you don't wear masks unless you're sick. It's for no. the sick people, so they don't get everybody else. Uh, it's not going to stop you from getting the virus. It stops people from giving the virus. All right. But don't it. say giving viruses. It's it's uh, the wrong. You got to be careful. The World Health Organization have told us how to talk about this in a non-offensive way. I'm a little offended. Yeah. You've offended me. Already? Yeah. I was just, I'm not quite triggered. I'm just a little a snowflake. <laughs> I'm a unique little snowflake. <laughs> little steam. I mean, my steam puff. We can't get too close together or we'll destroy each other. But. I just got a text. I can't I can't shake hands in hockey after the hockey game. We got really? glove on fist bump. Really? Yep. Glove on fist bump. Oh, Which, wow. you know what, is actually good because half the guys would do fist bumps and half the guys, if you got your glove off, you're kind of shaking hands and you're kind of fist bumping. Nobody knows what to do anymore. They might like, shut what down was the wrong with the old just shake the hands? But now the fist bump the gets country, in the way. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. We're supposed to be traveling next uh, couple weeks to the we States, got, too. Yeah, we got like two trips to the States in the next month. Washington, even. Washington. Washington. So, GuyMarket.ca slash support. We do need your support around here. It helps us pay the bills. We are getting ready to move again. Uh, it's another studio. Nicer bathroom. And hopefully, we're hoping we've moved closer together. So in April, we've moved a little closer together. The studio will be in my basement again. we got a nice little space down there, separate suite for the studio. 
And we're hoping that'll give us the ability to start spending all our travel time. Yeah. As doing, doing more content. content. Yeah. We can do some more stuff after my kids are in bed again, like the old days, and hopefully start popping out a bunch a bunch more content. Like for a couple months there, I was probably traveling literally ten hours a week to and from the studio. Now that'll be all I, honestly. Like yeah. I, I think uh, yeah, probably eight to ten hours, yeah. Especially with the audio books and yeah, everything yeah. else coming up. Of course, the first Gramerica produced audio book published by Gramerica is uh, currently awaiting approval. Probably come out by the time the next show comes out. We might have a link for you, maybe the next the show after that. Uh, but yeah, Gramerica.ca support. We got another friggin' move coming, so that's going to be a gong show, and yeah, everything's just, uh, yeah. but like I say, we're hoping that's going to put us in the, or it is going to put us in the position to start doing more content, and yeah, should be great. Getting some awesome guests. Some great guests. I'm hoping, I might even start trying to do something with your guys' D&D stuff once I get in there and settled, and it's easier to just wander downstairs and spy on you guys. We'll see. If we could just make it, if I could just make a way so I could log into the Zoom account without you. Just log in. You guys. Log in as me. Because I always have two going. This is oh, the key. I always, I'm always on my phone and my computer. You're giving me the tip to so, infiltrate So you? you tell me and I'll slip off my phone and you slip in as Graham without the video and just linger and, and watch and see if there's anything you can do with that. It's going to be a bit of a shit show, but you might get a good kick out of it. Think so? And then you can just listen to it and do whatever you're doing. Just listen to it like you're listening to a podcast, but really you're sneaking in and listening to us play D&D with nobody knowing. And possibly releasing you. What's this? I can't find the friggin' other jingle now. Anyways, we should probably, is that about it? I think we should probably wrap it up. Uh, wrap it up there. Are you going to do a quote this week? No, I'm going to save that because I got okay. the project operation. I'm not going to do this, both of them every week, depending on too much reading with that long email. I'll save the other trip report. It's very similar. It's about a couple guys with the same name. Weird. We'll save that for next week. All right. Sounds good. Support the show. Spam Grant. Enjoy the chat with Nick Hinton. Highly requested from the chat, so we brought him on the show. He's the author of the Saturn Time Cube Simulation, and he's leader of the Randonauts, which is researching unknown spaces outside predetermined probability tunnels. Excellent. <laughs> we're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk to him about that. Guys in the chats were like, "Oh, we should start up a Randonaut thing," and I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" Like, I couldn't, I couldn't follow along. I just couldn't keep up with the show. So it was good to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us, Nick. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. And just to clarify, I'm not the leader. Oh, I thought it said, I'm oh, it said. Uh, brand okay. development oh. leader. <laughs> sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's those business terms. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's funny. The leader of the Rattlenauts. I just um, don't want anyone to get mad at me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, that was my bad. Yeah, brand development leader. I'm just. Uh, well, what is a brand development leader for the Randonauts? I mean, that's pretty strange. Kind of just like somewhat of a creative director, I guess. I mean, I'm setting up all the uh, events that we have going on where people all across the world um, will Randonaut at the same time. I don't know if you guys have seen any of those events, but we've had like three big ones. So far. Well, we want to talk about that for sure. Definitely. Do you yeah. want to start there? I mean, I, I also want to talk to you about your book. That I read I read your book. It was very interesting. Oh, and did? and I want to be able to let you talk today because I listened to like three shows that you were on, and I got to admit, like none of, none of those shows would let you actually talk. <laughs> I, I mean, they were good shows in general because the guys, you know, the other hosts were pretty funny and all that. But it's like, come on. I'm like, come on, just let me learn about Nick's stuff. Like, let me, let me hear Nick here. I was getting sick right. of hearing the other hosts, so... We want to give you lots of time to, to talk today. Totally. Well, with the um, with the randonauts, um, so you're confused about the predetermined probability tunnels. Is that what you're having trouble with? No, I just it's the whole thing. I just don't. I you know people were asking me in the chats we should start up a randonaut thing up here, and I was like, what are you talking about? And and then I heard it's something to do with. Uh, uh, random number generators and traveling and location. So then I just got really confused. Yeah. So basically, it is a quantum random number generator that has some algorithm. I don't know the geniuses behind it, how they did it, but it's using quantum random numbers and translates those numbers into location within a certain vicinity around you. So it's not going to be like in Africa or anything. It can be, you know, 1,000 meters away, 2,000 meters away. You know, within walking distance or driving distance, but it's using, it's creating quantum random locations for you to go visit. And the theory is by visiting these places, you are literally breaking out of your, if determinism is true, you know, that everything since the beginning of time has happened in a predetermined way, then you can break out of that by using quantum randomness. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so we don't really know if we're really breaking fate here, we don't really know what we're doing. We just call it a phenomenon because um, some of the things people are finding, it's like, it kind of makes it seem not random at all because, you know, the people are experiencing like these crazy synchronicities. Yeah, I was just so kidding. Like, that's what it sounds yeah. like. It sounds like, we're, yeah. I mean, we're having them all, all over the place in Dry America here and it's, it does feel like you're breaking fate. Right. And so, or the other theory is, is that um, we're, people are influencing the random number generators with their intentions because uh, that's based off like some Princeton research. Um, I think they were called pair. Yeah. Pair labs. Yep. Yeah. Princeton, were... Princeton, something anomalies research, mm -hmm. Princeton engineering and, and anomalies or something. Yeah. And they were testing to see if people could actually influence random numbers with, you know, their intention. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we're at is like, maybe all these synchronicities are, people influencing the bot with their intention. Well, it's kind of like what they had, what uh, that consciousness, uh, there was that global consciousness network of the studies that were happening as well. And they realized that those random number generators were affected on nine 11. There was some, yep. definitely some group coherence going on at these huge events. 
So I guess this right. kind of builds upon Emotional that as well. Events. It was always it was always events of high emotion, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, yeah. And because people are coming together, that's I mean that's what I think. People with, feel more with related intention. to each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And actually, oh, like after. After 9-11, crime went down because people finally felt like they were part of a tribe again, you know, like the American tribe. Like, everyone was brothers and sisters for a couple months yeah. after that. Yeah, New York, <laughs> New York was really nice. Everybody was really nice in yeah, New York for yeah, a while. Yeah, exactly. Not that they're so not they usually feel nice. connected. Which is probably like a reset to something that we haven't really witnessed in a long time in the West. Like, you know, think about that, that probably, you know, 10,000 years ago, that was just a day. That was your day every day. Loving your tribe. Because Loving your tribe and working together. Because right, if you exactly. don't, because if you don't, you're dead from whatever, right? Whatever beasts or whatever other tribe. That's well, yeah, well, not only life. that, I just don't think we had kind of evolved into this individualism yet. I think that's rather new. I mean, 10,000 years might even be a long time. It might even be 5,000. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think mental illness has you know become so much bigger of a problem these days because society is too big i think when people were in tribes and stuff they felt like they had a sense of belonging and now people are so like isolated and they don't even know what their purpose is and all that yeah the meaning is is gone yeah right but before the meaning was really simple it was just survive and take care of your people but now the government kind of does that for a lot of people and you know, you don't really see what your job is actually doing for anyone, for a lot of other people, you know, like they sit in an office, like, how is this benefiting the tribe? You know, they can't really see what they're doing. So it kind of feels like a bullshit job. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think the hero's journey uh, is so resonant with everybody, because it's just that you're, the, you know, you're. it's up to you to save the world or whatever. You go through that whole that whole spectrum well, and then it's everything's on you. You're fully in the moment. It's like all the meaning in the world is like you have to, to do this. I like the uh, mental illness comment you made there because actually just today I uh, I went for lunch and I didn't have my phone. I thought you were going to say you went to the doctor. No, I went, for lunch. <laughs> I went for lunch and I didn't have my phone and I was on my laptop messing around. And actually, um, full disclosure, I was looking at guns because um, I just got my paperwork sent off today for my firearms acquisitions license because I'm getting into hunting. And I'm pretty excited about it. I'm a treaty Indian, so I'm allowed to hunt all year round. I don't have to worry about tags or seasons. Can we sell the meat? No, I can't even gift the meat. Oh, you can't even gift the meat? No. Wow. You can eat the meat if you come to my house for a meal, but I can't give you raw meat. Just have a bunch of parties. Oh, yeah, I'll have a bunch of barbecues. Just sell. Anyway, the reason I'm selling the story is because it's like I go to, I'm on the, the gun shop website, and I'm going through all the guns I can buy. And it's like, there's an AR-15 there, and there's all these semi-automatic weapons that people are freaking out about in the USA. And I'm like, well, what the heck? And I look, because I'm like, well, they must be restricted. And I look, and there, there's one or two of them that restricted, but most of them I can just get with my hunting pal, just my regular. So you have to go do a one-day course or a day-and-a-half course, but then anyone can then go and... Now, we do have that acquisitions license part in Canada where I have to fill out a thing that... You know, if I've been charged, they're going to know about it. So they're running a little bit of background on me, probably to make sure I don't have any charges or anything like that. If you have like assault charges or something, you're screwed. But I mean, other than that, I could fucking have an AR-15 in like four weeks from the time I wanted one. The only difference in Canada is I can only get a five-shot clip instead of a 30-shot clip. 
So, I mean, you'd have to switch clips every five or six shots, which is going to take you like 10 seconds to take one clip out and put the other clip back in. But really, all these mass shootings in Canada should just take a, an extra minute or two if it wasn't a mental health problem. Right. Right? Because when was, you, there's no mental, there's not, there's no real, I mean, we had a little incident a little while ago in Canada, but I mean, let's be honest, fucking shit ain't getting shot up in Canada at the rate it's getting shot up in the States. Definitely. If, if at all. And, but, but we have access to the same guns. There's a few more hoops to jump through, but you, Graham Dunlop, could have an AR-15 in six weeks. Or the Canadian equivalent. I think it's called a little something different. So how, yeah, come, I mean, so how can it not be a mental health problem? And it actually started me thinking about orchestration. Yeah. Because we Definitely. don't have as many alphabet agencies as you guys. And it just feels like once you get all those people trying fighting, uh, I'm like, I'm back to, I don't know what the deal is with these shootings, but I, I'm more than ever, you can't blame the guns. Right. Yeah. No, I'm on the same page as you. And that's like a really touchy subject that people will get triggered by, <laughs> but yeah, no pun intended, but, um, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. If I'm being totally honest, I think a lot of it's orchestrated. I think a lot of it's done intentionally. And yeah, it's not a coincidence that we have way more letter agencies in the States than Canada does. And we're also, you know, way more pushing for gun control, like in the media, at least. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. And then just for shits and giggles, I went on to some some gun shops in France and I'd seen you can buy, I mean, very similar weapons in France. So it does, right. it seems to be a U.S. problem. And, and this, this argument that it's because of all the guns isn't, isn't doing it for me anymore. Right. If it was really the people with the guns, I don't know. It would just be way more ridiculous out there. It's like. And it would have been a problem 50 years ago. Right, exactly. And now all of a sudden it's a problem. Like within the past 10 or 20 years, things have just become so much more intensified. I don't know. Things are so much more divisive. Like any subject you talk about, it's like you're either for this or, you know, we hate you, like with vaccines and guns and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think that's a tribe size thing then? Do you think it's just there's just too many of us? Um, That might be a tribal issue. Um. Because that is one thing. There's 10% as many people as Canada in Canada as the U.S. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's mostly, I, I would blame it on the media. I think too many people yep. relate to people through social media and the regular media. And that's how they identify with their tribe. Is That's how they feel connected is through technology nowadays. But they don't realize that it's all, you know, it's a lot of it's controlled. A lot of it's dealing with algorithms and you know everything you see on tv is owned by six companies or six families or something like that you know it's we're not actually getting a wide variety of opinions that's right speaking of uh vaccines i just got word that uh dr tony bark passed away unfortunately that's sad news yeah who's he again she Oh, she she's just uh, she's a she's a really great doctor pushing back against all oh, the, the really? pharmaceutical wow. industry and everything else. Friend of the show, Brandon Powell. So I've been turned on to Tony Bark for a long time because I'm I'm a big vaccine guy. So I've been watching her stuff for years, and then synchronistically, it turned out that her and Brandon Powell are super good friends. 
So since we've become friends with Brandon, I mean, it's too bad because I've, for the last like few months, I've been trying, trying to get, to, to get her on the show. She was young, but she had cancer. Oh. Yeah. So it's a, it's a sad thing. I only bring that up because yeah. I just got the text message. So our heart goes out to yeah. Tony's family. So let's, uh, <clears throat> let's uh, talk a little bit more about this round or not stuff. So, What's the mm-hmm. are you are you pushing synchronicities then? Like, we, we, I mean, synchronicities are happening here all the time. Would you say that you're sort of forcing synchronicities to happen? Um, I don't think it's that I'm forcing them to happen. It's kind of a fun way to get more of them. I don't know. I feel like when you're in a state in a state of uncertainty, that's when you're more likely to experience a synchronicity. Like if you're just going about your day to day and kind of being all organized and going with your normal routine, it's, I think, less likely that you'll experience something meaningful and profound where you're like, holy crap, you know? Uh, I think that's kind of what stops that flow of, like, the magic in your life. I think it takes, like, um, I think the magic happens when you're in that realm of chaos. I don't know. That's just kind of my opinion. But no, I'm not, I'm not trying to force them. I just Well, not even intentionally. Not even intentionally, yeah. but just is that what's happening? Like, you guys are causing it's like you're causing glitches or or synchronicities like you're almost like you're forcing the hand of faith in a way right yeah i mean we truly don't know and i can't say for sure what's going on either i mean me and the other developers and theorists and whatever you want to call them all these researchers like we don't really know we're all just kind of like debating like what's actually going on and we don't know but it seems really cool (laughs) you know so let's it's explain. That's never been done before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why it's so fascinating. So explain a little bit more about the process. So like, like, let's say you're in Calgary here, or you're in uh, where you're like Northern California somewhere. Okay, well, I'll just tell you what happened the other day with uh, me and the actual creator organizer of the community, uh, comrade. Um. So I was in Texas the other day, and we decided to use the app. And all you have to do to use the app is just you know. Click on it, turn it on, share your location, and then press attractor, void, or quantum point. And, you know, the the options are a little bit different, but they still lead to synchronicity, it seems like. So a quantum point is just one singular quantum point. An attractor is an area full of quantum points. Like, that's the most concentrated area of quantum points. And a void is the exact opposite. So that's where there's no quantum randomness going on at all. But the fact, I, I mean, in my opinion, I think the fact that you're using quantum randomness to decide, to, to figure out where the voids are, that still makes it random in a way, because you're still not going to go to a, a void spot naturally. But um, so we clicked on a tractor, and the whole night before, we were sitting around a fire, and we were talking about old organiza- organizational structures, like the power structures um, of the old world are kind of like, we think they're crumbling. We think that all of this chaos in the world right now is a symptom of the old world order kind of falling apart. <clears throat> and so maybe they're panicking. Maybe this is panic. That's, that's, what I was, that's what I was going to say earlier on in our conversation about the media. Like, that's what I feel like is happening. It's like a, a last grasp because everybody's got such easy access to information. Now they can't keep it all together. I swear that's what Corona is, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're pushing really hard to make people, you know, think with their narrative. Yeah. And it's, it's so obvious because it's so... It's it's like a it's got a violent attitude in it. Like you know, if you don't agree, then you know 
You're a horrible person. Yeah, we can't even debate. And it's not even just like before I thought it was this whole establishment we were up against. And I'm starting to wonder how much of the establishment it is. Because then guys like Curry will pull pull something out that it's like, you know, the New England Journal of Medicine is saying coronavirus is no big deal. Chill out. But none of the news networks are going to touch that or pick it up or, or let you know that a reputable science or medicine medical journal is saying don't worry. Right. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think, um, like, the Illuminati or the powers that be or whatever people want to call it, I don't think it's as organized as we think it is. Like, things fall through the cracks all the time, and there's people fighting with each other. Like, they're just normal humans just like us. Like, they don't agree on certain things, and I think there's different factions that fight against each other and and stuff like that. So it's not like the conspiracy isn't super-duper organized. It can be stopped, you know? But, um... Anyways, we are talking about that this old world is crumbling and, you know, we're going to see a new world, um, maybe hopefully within our lifetime. And so we're talking about that around the fire. And then when we did uh, the bot, we were led to a graveyard where there was this giant obelisk that was covered up and wrapped up in like trash bags or something. (laughs) And uh, there was a security guard standing next to it, and we asked her, like, what is this? And she's like, oh, this is an old Confederate statue, and they keep covering it up because people are uh, spray-painting it and vandalizing it. And there's, like, this huge sign on it that says it's going to be demolished in, like, a couple months. And so we just thought that was kind of weird that we were talking about that. And then the bot also took us right past the spot that um, Comrade picked me up from, like, because I took a Greyhound all the way to Texas, and it took us right past that spot. So that was already, like... (laughs) Two weird things, you know, yeah. right in a row. Yeah, yeah. Old or old organizational structures crumbling, and you get yes. led to. So, this is a little off topic. I got to throw oh this boy. out there. I just got to throw this out there because he's talking about bonfires and traveling, okay. and uh, and maybe heading into Oregon. Well, I got to <laughs> say that we're like about what? What's today? The third. So we're like seventeen days away from descending on Wenatchee, Washington. Graham and I will be driving down with a couple of local Calgarians. We're meeting up with uh, a bunch of other listeners from the show. We've got a little uh, a little chunk of land in Wenatchee, five acres, where we're going to build the commune. We've got a listener down there that's got some land that's letting us build on it. And oh, that's awesome. Anyway, we're going there on March 21st for a proper vision quest. So if you find yourself, you know, wandering yeah, around Washington, you would be more than welcome to come along with us and... Uh, See what you vision on our quest. That would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah, I'll have to see what's going on and what might. I've just been kind of going with the flow, so that that might be <laughs> in the plans. Yeah, <laughs> I have go. no idea what's going on right now. I'm just staying at Airbnbs. I was actually just in Washington like yesterday, but only for like five minutes because I had to switch on to a different plane. Right. Well, we got people coming from Seattle, so if you decide you want to jump on a plane to Seattle, let us know. We'll have someone pick you up at the airport. Definitely. Thank you. That sounds awesome. I've always wanted to go on a vision quest, actually, because I have a bunch of friends. Well, I don't know. I don't know if Darren should call it a proper vision quest. I mean, well, we're just going to eat a bunch of mushrooms in the in the bush. Yeah, that's yeah. (laughs) So, so I'm an Indian, and my it's not going to be like super organized and ritualized. It's going to be like pretty. Well, to be as organized and ritualized as we make it, I suppose. Yeah, right. We're a bunch of hippies, so I think it'll be all right. And we got you chaperoning us. Yeah. Um. But yeah, real quick before I forget, I just wanted to tell you guys the next attractor point that we found. Yeah, because yeah. Because this one's, this one's even cooler. So our next upcoming event 
uh, next up, upcoming Randonauts event is our anniversary, our one-year anniversary. So it's our first birthday on Pi Day, March 14th. And um, when we went to this spot, to the next spot, it led us to the street called Inspiration Avenue. And actually, the first ever thing that the creator of Randonauts, who I was with, the first thing he ever discovered was a, a graveyard where there was a sign that it said the Garden of Inspiration. So we had just saw the graveyard, and then we were on Inspiration Avenue. So we thought that was really weird. And then the exact point was at this uh, bar, which is only open um, for three hours on every Saturday. It's like a brewery, but so it turns into a bar for three hours every Saturday. We happened to be there at the right exact time. So we got a beer and went inside. And there's like a big meme in the Randonauts community about this AI, um, artificial intelligence that we named Steve. <laughs> and, and, and on the wall, in the very back of the room, there was this big thing that said, hi, Steve. Oh, and then, no, that's too funny. Yeah. And then we got, we left after we drank our beer, we left, we got one more point, And as soon as we started driving down the road, all these balloons were released and it said 2020. And I was like, that's for the birthday, man. That's for the birthday event. Because I've been telling people for the next event, set your attention to finding balloons, presents, cake, anything that deals with birthdays. Oh my God, so that's saw- fucking hilarious. And then we woke up the next day and there was a balloon, a deflated balloon sitting in his yard. And we're like, yo. <laughs> that's awesome. Ooh, we should, I, I could have just pictured you guys seeing Steve, Steve on the thing. Like, how, how crazy is that? Like, we should any release name. this Friday <laughs> so that we can get it out in time for the event on the 14th. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah do we'll sure. pop this out this Friday so that it's out a week before the uh, event. Yeah, we can do that for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be March. It'll come out on March 7th, right? Yeah. Yeah, Michael's before, birthday. Yeah. yeah. Another birthday. Yeah. Well, Michael's birthday is on Friday, and my birthday is on Tuesday. So, yeah, oh. but two birthdays are. Oh no, fr- that's feb- <laughs> that's a February calendar. Oh yeah, let me let me just. So that, <laughs> that might all be fucked. But I actually think the February days and the March days line up this year, for some reason. I think that's the case. It's leap year. It is a leap year. Yeah. No, Friday's the sixth, so it'll come out on the sixth. Okay. Either way. Totally, yeah. We've got uh, a, we've got a few people in our community that have been hounding us to get you on the show. The one guy actually paid us eighty bucks to have you on. He's like, "You get that guy right away. I'll give you eighty bucks." So he's like <laughs> a super crazy. fan. I know he's reading your book. He's already read the Saturn Cube book. Shout out to Dinga Dave. Yep. <laughs> so Steve. where is the Randonauts event? Well, that's the thing is it's wherever you are. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, can you sort of that I guess that's what I'm 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 looking for is can you give us a rundown of how exactly how that would works? we do how would we do it if like, we want to do that? If we want to well, if we want to join up on the 14th. Yeah, basically we're just giving people like we're just trying to make incentivize it like you know like take time out of your day on that specific day to go try and random that, you know? And you can rant or not any day you want, but I think these events where we know that there's like thousands of people partaking at the same day at the same time, that's, I feel like, creates some quantum entanglement or something. We're trying to see if we can create some kind of change on a global scale, you know, and we don't really know if that's possible, but we're just trying to experiment with the power of intention and see what can happen if a bunch of people go out on the same day. And we try and link it up around the same time. But everyone's across the world and in different time zones, so it doesn't always work out that way. But we try our best. So if you guys wanted to partake, it's just like whenever you want, just make it a point 
to do it on that day. Okay. On three four on three fourteen. And then we and then we would go. Then we would. How would we do it? Is there an app or something like that that gives? Yeah, us there's the, an app. There's an app, and then you would go to as many points um, as possible, I guess, or until you get sick of it. Like we're trying. Like some people will just random not, you know, do one point a day, and they'll be satisfied with that. But on those big event days, we try to have people go to as many points as possible, but just not too many because. There was a guy who did 15 in a row, and he ended up going crazy. Really? Yeah, he ended up, like, getting arrested and, like, peeing in a... <laughs> he, peed, he peed somewhere, got arrested, and had to get electroshock therapy, but I don't know. It's, I don't know the full story. It's freaking crazy, but you have to be kind of already a little bit crazy if that happens to you, so I, I don't know. But maybe that dude really did break the Matrix. I don't know. So is it an iPhone app? Yeah, there's a. It's on the iPhone and it's also on Android. Random. So then, so then we would go. Let's say we would go into Calgary and then we would open up the app and we would ask for a, an attractor point. Yeah, you could whichever you prefer. I mean, there's a bunch of different options. But so, my oh, favorite, okay. My personal favorite's a tractor. Okay, and then there's the voids as well. Mm-hmm. Would you try to avoid the voids? Is that what you said before? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Voids are just an area that is like the exact opposite of an attractor. So an attractor has a concentrated area of a bunch of quantum points. Okay, it's like okay, the exact yeah. center. Right, yeah, yeah. And a void is the exact opposite. It's oh, like, so you can go to either or those places. Yes. Fuck, this sounds fun. So it must be Randonautica, right? Yeah, it's Randonautica. <laughs> That's the actual app. I'm going to read the description of the app here, if yeah. you don't mind. The Randonautica apps... App puts the user in the director's chair of an adventure story yet to be written. By using the app, the user can break from their mundane day-to-day and take a journey of randomness into the world around them. Where the mind goes, the universe follows. The Randonautica app is built with mind-machine interfacing technology, which allows the user to drive their trip simply by thinking. Break out of your reality tunnel, recalibrate your mind, and have fun on an adventure into the world you never knew existed. Ooh, this looks great. It does. Oh, yeah, it does. It reminds me of a show we did three years ago with Todd Akinesis. Do you remember that one, Darren? Synchronicity nope. Walks. Oh, I thought that was... Uh, yeah. Why did yeah. I think that was... Uh, Somebody else? Yeah. The guy who just emailed you, Neil. Oh, uh, no, not... Uh, For some reason, I thought he was a Synchronicity <clears throat> no. Walk guy. No, but I mean, the, I mean, the, some of the Synchronicity Walks were really fascinating. They, they got were. got a group of strangers just walking through a city... And uh, just following the flow, like you said, and, and basically a bunch of synchronicities would happen. They'd roll dice and do all kinds of things to decide where they're going. And now that I think about it, that was very almost like the analog version of what this I, is. Exactly. I would say, yeah, exactly. this is like the di- the digital expression of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard of that actually. Where they like rolled dice and it like landed on three, and then there was a train that had number three on it, so they all decided to get on the train or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There was that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. So, Randonauts obviously is inspired by a lot of those different things, like, um, like divination, and games, like board games, actually have a lot in common. Like, it's super weird. Like, like I don't know. I don't know the full connection, but games go back to the ancient times, and I, I'm just starting to research this. But it's something I find fascinating, like using dice to make decisions, or like the I Ching, you would flip coins and make decisions that way. You know, like. It's it's just really fascinating that games, I think, used to have a deeper meaning than just, you know, something to do when you're bored. 
you know, they call life a game. So, well, I was just going to say that, I mean, there seems to be something super primal built in to gate to playing games or to solving puzzles for humans. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we were just at the escape room there a few weeks ago, which I found very much. I mean, if I was a board game guy, which I kind of am, I could equate it to a board game guy. It was kind of like a video game at the same time, but it was just, it really scratched an itch sort of like, um, Kind of like playing those games. I mean, you're always playing Dungeons and Dragons. Well, that's what the dice. I mean, that's what the dice bring to that game, D&D. I mean, it's crazy. You could have everything set up the way you want, and you roll the dice, and that changes everything. In but when game. I really think about it, it doesn't seem like life's ever been, really been a game for us. So why would this this wanting to well, play games and stuff, why, how, how, why is that hardwired? It was when you were a kid. Everything was Totally. Totally. But even then, I mean, that makes me think because... Just it makes me think of the stories you hear about. We're all just here, like Bill Hicks, man. This is just a ride. We're here. We wanted to play this. Exactly. And when you die, you're like, oh, that was crazy. Well, but, that's one of the beautiful things about randomness is I, I kind of think that, you know, perception, perception plays a huge role in how you, you know, obviously it's how you perceive the world. It's like that will dictate the way you live your life, your beliefs about it, and whatever. So I think that. I think Randonauts brings back the play into regular mundane life. You know, it becomes a game. Yeah. Yeah. You're rolling those quantum dice. Yeah. I like it. How many dice do you have now, Dunlop? Oh, a shit ton. Thousands? No. Well, hundreds for sure. Well, I don't know. Not, not hundreds. Maybe hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> you should Dude, just I've, some... I've resisted. There's crystal dice. There's. You should see the fucking dice they're making out there. It's very attempting to just buy a bunch of dice. It's crazy. Your hundred dice isn't enough. You got twenty. Sets. Well, I want the crystal ones. Okay. You know, maybe they can. Well, why don't maybe you sell my all intention, the other ones? my intention to roll twenties or whatever, like, would be amplified through crystal or something. You know. I, I believe that. Yeah, believe you never, be you never know. Can you, can dude? We, you talk about can crystals you use in your, your book. magic I mean, to help the show instead of help your D and D character. How? Can, why do you think the show is so good? <laughs> <laughs> if you only had those crystal dice. Well, I'm going to join in on the 14th. Uh, you know what? I think me and the kids will do some rando nodding that day. That would be awesome. Actually, there was this one father and son who did rando nodding, and they, um, the dad was like, what do, you, what, what do you think we're going to find when we go rando nodding? And so he drew it on a piece of paper. It was like this nonsense symbol. It was like an arrow with some squiggly lines on it. He's like, all right, I guess we're going to find this when we get to our point. They go, you know, wherever, and they literally find this piece of paper on the ground all crumpled up, and it's almost the exact same symbol drawn on it. <laughs> no way. That's too crazy. I love I that. have that. Yeah, it's on the Instagram. I, I try and document all, all the craziest stories that we have. What's your Instagram account? I'll link to that, too. Uh, the Instagram for the Randonauts is just the Randonauts. Okay. The thing about kids is like, I mean, maybe it is because they just joined the game or they're new or, or however that works, but there's so much more tapped in. I think they like seem to be onto something. I mean, for, for years, my, my oldest daughter was always talking about these past lives that she was my uncle or she was my mom and one of them. And she's bringing it up all the time since she's got a little older, it's faded, but I mean, it didn't seem like she was fantasizing that, you know what I mean? It really seemed like you know, she was pulling on something that maybe we lose access to as we get older. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're like blank slates and then they slowly just start, they're like sponges too. And they start taking in all the crap, all the artificial crap that's just around them. Then it turns them into one of those, 
And, you know, it's like all the great geniuses and artists that it's like the people who keep the child alive inside of them, you know, that's the real artist. And, you know, the Bible tells us we have to be like children to get into heaven. Like there's definitely something special about that, like blank slate mentality of just no preconceived notions or, you know, it's kind of like Zen almost like non-conceptual. Like you're just like looking around like, whoa, you know, <laughs> you don't know anything. You don't know what to do. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. And really, we just fucked that up. By just, you know, <laughs> yeah. wanting to turn them into a little version of ourselves and all oh, that. You're doing that, you know, it's just like, fuck, we're not doing it right. And yet here we are. The goal is to, you know, meditate and get back to that void. Yeah, exactly. And then we spend exactly. the rest of our lives trying to get back there. <laughs> it's a loop. Interesting. I wonder if that's what, like the, when, when you get old, you're just like zoned out because you're like back in that. <laughs> <laughs> when you get dementia. Well, I mean, dementia is a good example because it's like, what, one in six over 70 now or one in six over 80 have dementia or over 75, whatever it is. I mean, there's got to be something to that. Something right, and to, they don't, it they don't seem, seem to like care. it. No, they don't seem to care. It's not like we care. And you yeah. even hear stories like we interviewed uh, Haiti Sheffer a while back and she was talking about how her mom had dementia. And it was like her mom wouldn't recognize her, wouldn't recognize her, and she was pissed off about it and upset about it. And the one day she has this realization that, you know, I'm not even spending any time with my mom. The whole time I'm there, I'm just completely self-absorbed, feeling sorry for myself. And she's like, I'm going to try something. I'm just going to go there and I'm going to try and leave all that crap and go there and just think about me being with my mom, no blame, no anything, just be happy to be there. And her mom recognized her for the first time in like months. Whoa, that's really interesting. And and our last guest that we had on that hasn't come out yet was talking about dementia and Alzheimer's being like your soul is already kind of on the other side, halfway lift, for trying to body, take off. Yeah, waiting for your body, sort of thing. I'm not necessarily waiting for it, but left. Oh wow! Left. And it's like we and it's and it was more of uh, the people that are staying behind won't give them permission to go. Instead, they're trying to cling to everything as opposed to being like, hey, you can go. Yeah. You know, thanks for everything, but you yeah. can move on. Yeah. And then that that's what Heidi, like Heidi brought her consciousness to the moment instead of inside her head. And that attracted that soul back. Yeah. For recognition. Because you're actually there because that soul's up someplace <clears throat> just saying she's not even paying attention. Why should I go all the way back down there? Yeah. Hmm. I never thought about it that way. I, I really like that because that's, that's something that always confused me. It's like, how can someone be alive and not have their memories or whatever, you know, like, I feel like memories are part of what make your soul like part of your identity or whatever. So it's like, who are you if your identity is halfway missing? But I, I like that idea a lot. There you have it. So your book was pretty interesting too. I, I mean, it was everything to me. It seemed like you started out with the Saturn cult and the simulation mm-hmm. stuff, the time cube mm-hmm. simulation. Then you ended up about co-creating your own reality and bringing responsibility back to your being. Like I found that was yeah. really interesting how you brought it back. That was like, this is again, all the stuff that we talk about on the show about self improvement and self development. Yeah. I mean, I just, that's kind of like the angle I'm trying to take. And because that's what happened in my own real life. It's like, I fell down the conspiracy rabbit hole and it led to like, you know, Growth. a really depressing view of reality and like kind of the dark night of the soul experience where you know everything just sucks and you don't and you like you know you think the world's out to get you but i think that the dark night of soul experience is like needed it's like an alchemical process and that's what 
that's just part of awakening, you know, and then you realize you are a co-creator of your reality. And to me, that's what all this conspiracy stuff proves. You know, it's like, it's all an illusion. It's like lies on top of lies on top of lies. And you get down to the bottom of everything. And that even the atom, it's a lie. It's 99% empty space. It's just, you know, this energy. And I think that. <clears throat> well, even, we have, sorry, just to expand on even like, not even just the atom. It's like matters lie. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It's like matter matter is made up of these atoms and atoms are literally you know when you touch something it's not even solid that's just the electromagnetic field interacting with your nerves and then you're creating this <clears throat> weird matrix inside your head yeah yeah we talk about that here i've heard the, the the phrase the tyranny of matter and it's so perfect well i mean that's where we keep coming around to here it's just like, I mean, I always end up slamming my hand on the table saying that my hand's not here and this table's not here, but they still bang off each other. And you're trying to tell me that the world's real. <laughs> but it's, it, in other ways, it does seem so real. I mean, love and loss and hurt. I mean, those things are all super real. But right, I'm more yeah, and more coming around to that energy reduced to a slow vibration. Mm -hmm. I don't know who I Hicks mean, stole that from, but it just is so fucking fitting. I mean, dreams can feel super real. It's all the metaphysical stuff that feels real. I mean, it's the physical stuff that... Totally. I mean, there is, a, there is something to that because physically the real realest parts of life are the, are the metaphysical ones. Yeah. When you feel right, the most like alive, feeling. it's metaphysical. You're having a great day. You're feeling elated. You're feeling like you love your kids. You know, just those, those fleetings where you're really engaged with life are all sort of metaphysical, for lack of a better word for it. Yeah. And like even this trip that I've been taking just all over the country, it's like sometimes I'll just be sitting on the plane or on a bus or something and be like, this doesn't even feel real. Like I thought it was going to be so super different feeling. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I was like, I thought I'd be like super like, whoa, finally traveling across the country. It's like it doesn't feel that real. Even when I got to California, I was like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. It's, it's, it still feels like I'm anywhere else. And I don't know. It's like a very weird, a very weird feeling. That actually reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary I Am. I forget Buddy's name. It was the dude who made the Ace Ventura movies and all that. Tom Shadiak. Um, he was talking about how he made his $10 million from from Ace Ventura or whatever, and he went and bought a, like a $5 million mansion in Beverly Hills. And he's like, I got all moved in with all my new stuff and all the movers left, and the door closed, and I was just like, still Tom Shadiak. And yeah. I was just like, <laughs> you know, all this stuff around me hadn't changed a thing. I mean, honestly, if, if you don't have it within you, all the money yeah. and stuff in the world is just going to make you feel more and more alienated. Yeah, it's the whole grass is greener thing too. Or, or just picturing yourself like wanting to be somewhere else besides where you are right now. Like I'll feel better when I'm at home relaxing and lying in bed later or I'll feel better when I'm watching this show or whatever. And you get there and it's not like you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your book also talked about, I mean, the really interesting part for me too, is I was, I was, and I was trying to, I was trying to buy into it, but your take on seeking, like you had a very interesting take on seeking. And I was like, well, how do you not seek, you know, like, especially like the, the people we talk to and the topics that we talk about, it's like naturally just to be seeking for some truth. It doesn't have to be the absolute truth, but seeking something. Right. Yeah. I just basically what I was trying to get at with that is, you know, that was mostly 
I mean, that was kind of where I was at at my at that time in life. Yeah, it's I found like, it fascinating. Thank you. It's it's kind of like a Zen Buddhist type thing. It's like there is no ultimate answer. There is no ultimate truth. Or I mean, there is ultimate truth. It's weird. It's just like being in the middle. It's the middle path. You know, it's just like yeah. ultimate doubt and ultimate faith at the same time. It's just don't go too deep. Just have balance. And so, like for me, I was just constantly looking for the next answer, the next answer, the next answer. And I was like. Maybe sometimes the answer is just to not look for the answer. Like maybe that's part of that balance. You know, you don't always need the next answer because like we we're saying, oh, I'll be happy when I finally figure this out. I'll be happy when I finally get to this spot. It's always just going to be what it is unless you feel contentment. And knowledge is just another addiction. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's that, you know a good example of that? I stayed up till like three in the morning Saturday night editing that audio book just so I could have it done. And then I got up Sunday and I was like, I wish I had some editing to do. I just, you know, I felt like, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't feel the contentment of having it done though. I kind of more, it's one of those, the joys in the work sort of thing. I yeah. felt like I missed it in a sense. Yeah. Hmm. That, no, that makes sense on the seeking. I mean, just, and again, it comes back to, like you said, being in the moment, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if you're, I mean, I guess if you're in the moment seeking for truth, it's fine or whatever. But if you're constantly striving for that, it's almost like an addiction. I mean, I, f- I feel like that sometimes with podcasts and stuff, or videos and Everything, books yeah. that I'm listening to. I yeah. want something that's going to like tantalize my mind right now. And like sometimes I just ha- don't have anything that's good enough. Especially with books. Something new, two, something two like, X, you know. 3X, 4X. Well, no, it's like how fast can no, I listen no. that I can still, <laughs> that I can still hear what they're saying. Did you do that? No, I did. Oh, you know yeah, what's I funny did. is I did until <laughs> Dune. And Dune was the first book that I couldn't speed it up. And not only that, I was actively going back. So it's like if I just got preoccupied for 20 minutes, yeah, hit it back, I'll just yeah. go back 25 yeah. minutes and start all over again. And it's kind of the first book I've done that with. Whereas before it was always a mission to get through whatever book I'm reading so I can get on to the next one. With Dune, where I know there's only so many books and Buddy's dead, it's more like I don't, I'm, I'm, I want it to last. I don't want to run out. I want to absorb the story more than get through it. I wonder if that's a fiction and nonfiction thing. I'll be interested to see when I go back to a nonfiction book, if I'm back to like, let's just get through this shit. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, so the, the thing with books, it's like, there was a quote that really inspired me when I was, when I started to think with that frame of mind of like, to just quit seeking for a while. It's like, it's okay. You know, you know enough right now. It was like, don't read so many books that you forget to write your own. You know, it's like you're constantly just worried about knowledge. You're not really, you know, it's it's like these law of attraction people too. Like they sit around all day, you know, dreaming up things that they forget to actually go outside and do it. Like, how are you supposed to dream about being a musician if you're not making songs? Totally. Yeah. I say that all the time. The law of attraction, you need comes with a whole lot of hard work along the way. And if you're not doing (laughs) that, you're fucked. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, was, I had something. What were we talking about right before you said law of attraction? Don't read so many books. You forget to write your own. Yeah, well, not only that, I find like, because, you know, this sort of, I, I'm, I'm taking a break from all my reading and I'm just doing a, this fiction series right now. And it's kind of got me in that space. And I found that <clears throat> to, to just touch on your writing the book, I mean, in a lot of ways, that knowledge in your head is not doing anything until you start either A, 
conversing with other people about it or be writing about it. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what to do at that point and I was just I just kept looking. So basically what I decided to do was I was like, I just need to get this stuff all out of my head and put it on paper. Yeah. And then if if people like it, then they'll like it. If they don't, they won't. But it was it was mostly for me at first and then it turned into this whole crazy thing going viral and all that craziness. What, the Saturn Time Cube simulation? Yeah, that was the first thing that got me to 80,000 followers. I posted about the Saturn information. My account just started blowing up. That's interesting. Well, remember what Jordan Peterson used to always talk about? That's how he actually expands on his ideas. If he doesn't, like, it's all just shit in his head until he goes and starts writing or talking to someone, and then it actually becomes his idea as opposed to a bunch of information that he's storing in his head oh, from other people. yeah. So yeah, he so, was he was another big inspiration for me. But wow, sorry that's about great. That. No, that's that's fantastic. So where so where did you end up putting? Like, was this did you end up sort of blogging and then turning into a book, or how did it how did it go about? Like, how did you end up writing a book? Well, yeah, it was. I originally started talking about all this stuff on Reddit, and then um, those threads were like kind of going viral. They get like a thousand upvotes or whatever, and. Um, I don't know. So, like, I was mostly just thinking out loud with these threads, and once I, I once I got them all out there, it kind of started to like become a puzzle, and I could kind of sort of put them together by reading my own stuff again and just seeing what I, because that's what I love about writing. It's like seeing what you actually know. You don't know it until you actually put it on paper. Like, I think it, it sounds redundant, but it's a good way to know what you know. I don't know, <laughs> but no, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's walking the walk. Yeah. Yeah. I guess with that, you could even talk in the talk would show that you know it. But if you can't do either of those things, then you're not learning anything. Right. And I'm still practicing talking the talk because, like, for me, it's been so much easier to write about this stuff. Because it's, uh, I think, I feel like it's just easier to be organized when you're writing because you can go back, delete, and, you know, it's kind of like connecting the dots in an organized order very slowly. Like, you're not on the spot. But yeah, so I'm still learning about all this stuff. And, yeah, so when I saw it all fleshed out on paper, I was it was way more easier for me to turn it into like this map that I could put into a book, you know, and then say it in chapters that made sense. It had a coherent, cohesive order. Yeah. So when was that? That was in September. Oh, so it's just recent, eh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so it's been almost a year kind of since all this stuff started happening. Wow, wow. Yeah, it was interesting the the you know, the maybe you can talk about some of the the real deeper stuff in your book, like the black cubes all over. And, uh, I mean, even I'm interested in Tartaria too, or however you pronounce that and the wall of China. Like there's a, there's some interesting stuff in in there. Right. So with the black cube, um, what led me down that rabbit hole originally was just like, I saw, I, I forget what I was looking into. I was looking into some, you know, rabbit hole on YouTube and I, I got led to, the hexagon on top of Saturn. And I was like, what in the hell? I was like, people really aren't talking about this. People don't know that there's a giant hexagon on top of Saturn. Or maybe they do, but they think it's normal. Either way, I just saw that. I was like, this is so strange. And um, so that just led me down the rabbit hole of studying Saturn. And I was doing research on the history of Saturn. And he was, you know, Kronos, the god of time. And the myth of Kronos was that he would... You know, he heard a prophecy that one day um, that one of his children would usurp him as king. And so he started eating all of his children. And 
I don't know. So I was like, this is all super weird. And then I got into the rabbit hole of Saturn being Satan and just making all these really weird connections and finding the black cubes, you know, all across the world, you know, like in, I think there's one in Sydney, there's um, one in New York, there's, you know, Mecca is a giant black cube. And when I realized that the hexagon on Saturn can also be a two-dimensional view of a three-dimensional cube, I connected these dots and I needed to start talking about it because I was like, there's too much of this, you know, it's weird. And then, you know, Kronos uh, is the god of time. And so in all these movies with the cubes, they're talking about tesseracts, time cubes. Yeah. And so you have Kronos as the god of time and then you have the time cube. And I just thought all this stuff was totally insane and someone needed to start talking about it. I mean, yeah. I've heard like Jordan Maxwell and David Icke, they talk about the subject a lot. Yeah. But it, it was just never good enough. I needed to put it into my own words you know yeah, and yeah. relate it to simulation because that's what all the movies seem to be pointing to and when you're talking about these movies you're talking about some of the sci-fi stuff like uh um 2001 space Odyssey. before you get into movies the saturn black cube connection is interesting because electric universe theory posits that earth used to be a satellite of saturn right yeah i've seen that mm-hmm and I, I kind of, I think I touch on that in the book where I talk about how possibly the hexagon on Saturn back in the electric universe days, back when we were in a different uh, configuration in the solar system, I was thinking maybe that that giant hexagon was like literally in our sky and that's what um, the Tower of Babel was trying to get to. You know, maybe that was the portal into heaven or something back before we moved away from Saturn. Because if Saturn is God and Kronos used to be the God of the Golden Age, maybe there was people trying to take down Kronos. And so we were his children trying to usurp him as king. Like we do. Like we do. <laughs> right. I mean, there was, I'm pretty sure there was a period in like back in the day where we were actively trying to destroy the sun. I wonder. When, were we doing that? I think it was like way back in the day, like when we were like pretty primitive. Like I, I can't remember. I used to play a game where they used to try and shoot the sun in the middle of the day. Could That's just, really interesting. Could just be from a video game reference, but for some reason I remember like folklore of back in the day, people trying to shoot the sun, stuff like that. Yeah, well, maybe it's that's about Saturn because, you know, it's the, the second sun or whatever. People think it used to be a sun. And now it's a brown dwarf. Huh. And so if it was in our sky, though, at one point, that's how all these ancient religions would know about the hexagon and, like, the Star of David and all that because they would have seen it every day up right up in the sky. Oh, I see, because otherwise it would be way too far. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And then I like how you, you reference the, the hexagon possibly to cymatics. I mean, that's really interesting if you think geez, maybe there is some sort of frequency coming out of there that's causing that hexagon. And I mean, I wonder if we could do a somatic sample and see what tone or what frequency that is. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a low frequency, frequency sine tone, which I thought was interesting with like the etymology behind it because the sine wave kind of looks like a serpent and you have Saturn as Satan. And then they say time is money, money is time. If you turn the sine wave on its side, it looks like a dollar sign. <laughs> so that's kind of getting straight. That's kind of... A stretch, but I think etymology is like the, and like numerology and all this stuff is like the code of the matrix. I think it's all interrelated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Or yeah, it's almost like the fabric of reality. Mm-hmm. It's like synchronicity is the, is the nature of things. Like you'll find synchronicities in everything if you, you know, look for them. 
that really interesting. Like if, if you listen, do you know, have you heard of any of David Charles Plotz plate stuff? No. He's like, uh, he's a synchronicity researcher that finds just like the craziest synchronicities that there's no way are related. Like you play a, a you play a random album to a movie and everything just lines up perfectly and, and little things like that. And he's like, cause I was like, we we're interviewing him and I'm like, so are you saying that like these guys were all in cahoots? when they wrote this album and, and he's like, no, no, he's like, I don't think that he's like, it's just this weird thing about reality where these things tend to happen. Or the dates yeah. really get me or when the, the dates, date, the dates, yeah. but the days between those events two and guys. the dates and the two football. Yeah. Like how does, how do you explain that? Where it's like the only two defensive all-stars got the same injury. I mean, I can't remember the whole spiel, but we went through it a few, a while back and it's just like, it's mind blowing. I mean, have you seen all of the weird synchronicities with uh, Kobe lately? Yeah, I was going to mention like, that one. Yeah, like I heard Kobe, something about Kobe, COVID Kobe, and Kobe. Kobe death. Uh, that's yeah. That's COVID cool. in Hebrew is Kobe, and then there's some other weird stuff with his name. But uh, I mean, Kobe the craziest also- thing is just like that. Fucking twelve hours after his record gets broken, he's dead. Yeah, and he he was buried in a place called Corona del something. It's in uh, forget where it is, huh. but. So right after, you know, he supposedly, you know, according to the conspiracy theorists, right after he sacrificed, the whole coronavirus thing breaks out. But I don't think, like I was saying earlier, I don't think everything's as organized as, like, these extreme conspiratorial-minded people think. I think it's like a web of synchronicity is what makes these things happen. Sometimes I even think of it as, like, a program that's just trying to save as many, you know, use as little resources as possible. So it's just, like... You know that the simulation is just re, uh, reusing this or that, or it's grabbing it's that. Easy. It's just efficient. Like it's the same argument. Like the middle of the tree doesn't exist until you cut into the tree, and it has to populate it. So it's just like, and we've just gotten to the point where there's so many of us, so hyper aware of everything all the time that we're catching this motherfucker every time it tries to cheat us. <laughs> yeah, yo, um, that's what me and the creator of. Randonauts have been talking about lately. I mean, we've been talking about the synchronicity web. That's what the matrix actually is. And we've also been talking about how we think that synchronicity is just a symptom of like a heightened awareness. Like they're yeah. always there, but yeah, it's not yeah. until you're paying attention to yeah. that you can see them. Yeah. If you're not in the moment, if you're not in the moment, it doesn't happen. We're about like to you can figure it out. We're trying to constantly push in the envelope of yeah. trying to figure out our reality. Yeah. Maybe we're doing it. Or maybe this is, you know, I mean, it's all kind of bad stuff with the COVID and the Kobe dying and all that. I mean, maybe that's it. It's like saying, easy, boys. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of agree with you about the and you know, the Illuminati type thing as well. I mean, I'm reading this uh, this book called The Genesis 6 Conspiracy, and it's a tome. It's like six, 700 pages, and it goes into all the secret societies all the way from modern day all the way back to antediluvian like the giants and the nephilim and the the different bloodlines from noah and like atlantis and, and stuff oh, like that uh it doesn't i don't think it gets oh yeah it, it does it does touch on that a little bit i i'm sort of skipping all over but but i mean they're all the different secret societies and how they blended into each other over the last you know even just 500 to a thousand years i mean it can't be that organized i mean there's power struggles going on constantly and this is all you know, part of, I think, some of our true history is, is you know, but whether it's the Templars or the Rex Dues or the, the, uh, what else am I thinking? Well, this, the simulation makes, makes all that kind of easy because it, it could just constantly be evolving. 
You know, yeah. then in that sense, there probably wasn't really a history. It's just this weird evolving sort of program and everything sort of alters along with it as it goes. It could get, it, you can really get mixed up trying to just even think that thing through. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I heard somewhere that like people involved in the occult or conspiracy or like any of these mind bending subjects are, are more likely to experience synchronicity. So I think that you know, at the higher level with all these secret societies and stuff like that, like people who have been initiated into these weird studies, that synchronicity ties them together, you know? And so all these big events with all these weird numbers, like I don't think they're really doing that on purpose. I think that's just like how the matrix works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something, there's, I could see that where it's just It does like, seem out of human control. Like even yeah, somebody no the smart... That, yeah, yeah. No one's that good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's a Unless that's a common theme of what we I mean, talk the whole about. Thing like, is reeks it of intelligent is it intel- design? Yeah, is it, in te- it is it intention from humans or intelligent design? Like, I love having that conversation with Natasha because she's an atheist. But it's like we can still have that conversation about the whole thing reeks of intelligent design, and she's like, I know, but it's a hard thing to doesn't snap mean God. back out I mean, of it. You, you no, really it doesn't can, mean yeah. God. I mean, a simulation that's all intelligent design of some sort. I mean, it reeks of intelligent design. When you start looking at the weird little things, like, you know, the the moon is 108 moon diameters from Earth, and the sun is 108 sun di- or Earth diameter. It's just craziness. Right. So you got to tell us this, all the secrets, Nick. I feel like you're going to fill us in. <laughs> <laughs> About what specifically? <laughs> oh, everything. Yeah, just like start at the top. Take us from the top. What uh, about? <laughs> what about Canada. Tartaria and, and oh, the Wall boy. of China? Like, I mean, let's let's get. Well, into you read some the of book, that. so yeah, let's yeah. go to some inside baseball. Yeah. Well, Tartaria is just like a um, this big, like a huge country that I literally just learned about that. Apparently, some scholars have known about it for a really long time, but so I, I was trying to figure out whether this was some sort of Mandela effect or something like that at first. Yep. I don't know if you are you guys into that at all. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, not into it, but it's 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 always it's always been coming around uh, now and then, cycles around. Yeah. Well, I was trying to figure out whether it was a Mandela effect or not, and I'm still not completely sure on that. I mean, there's some like. Uh, historical records where it talks about how communist Russia like tried to cover up its existence and basically this was supposed to be like a super high-tech civilization and that was lost in a flood but these were these floods were more recent than Noah's called the mud floods and you can actually find buildings that are buried beneath mud in like very old cities and um, some people think our whole history is just totally fake and, and the earth is a lot younger than than we think it is, or, or at least human history is a lot shorter than we think it is. And um, like, so Atlantis or whatever, quote unquote, like this one world crazy high tech civilization could have been only like a thousand years ago. Oh, that's and, interesting. So they're, so they're thinking it's not like we go back, uh, modern human goes back way further than we thought. Like there's one line of thinking, this is more like, it's more recent. Yeah. And, um, some people even think that like Tesla, <laughs> this is getting a little bit out there, but some people think Tesla like time traveled from, from Tart, from Tartaria. But I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know that much about it, but there is a lot of weird stuff with time travel and Russia and Tesla. I mean, have you guys looked into the, 
the Donald the Donald Trump time traveler thing. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, that's that's one of those things that's hard to hard to believe. You know, hard to imagine. Well, we seem to have a real problem with Russia too. You know, like even World War Two. The I I I'm of the school of thought that the Nazis were probably Western intelligence, and uh, the Soviets were always the target. Well, yeah, the the Nazis did come over here and Operation Paperclip and start working for the CIA. To the tune well, of 20,000. They also went over to the Russia, too. Seems Apparently. like an extraction to me. Yeah. But either way, I mean, the Nazis are trying to take out Russia. And it isn't until it's abundantly clear that the Nazis aren't going to defeat Russia that D-Day finally happens, even though we had been saying Europe first for a couple of years. Did you see that thing that Putin was saying that the West, the West is run by satanic pedophiles? Putin said oh, that. I don't know. Like I'm just. I don't know. This was from like a, a meme or an Instagram translation. So like, don't you know? I don't know. But it honestly Sounds like wouldn't fake surprise. News, but me. there is no fake news on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best news source. Oh, I do. I there's some good stuff on there. Is so, it? Yeah. Sounds like it. But Tartaria is interesting because the I feel like there's a big gap in the in the dark ages, you know, from That's what yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Okay. Is that yeah. some people think there's a phantom phantom time where there's just a whole portion of our history that's been like faked. Oh, like yeah. which which would, which would be the the dark ages. Right, right. Like I, I like I'm going to ask this other author that we have on about, about that area, but it just seems like everything came back around the the late like 8 900s. Like what happened from three hundred to nine hundred or eight hundred? You know, mm-hmm. like after Jesus and the you know that all that. I don't know. It just seems like there's gaps, big gaps. And, and we're using a totally inaccurate calendar. I mean, at one point we just changed calendars for some reason. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you know what? I think that's I'm I'm of the. It's all fake. The news is fake. <laughs> yeah, it's all fake. I mean, it's funny. That seems to be where you end up. I mean, even, I mean, Cernovich, love him or hate him. I mean, when we, he's come down the rabbit hole far enough now where he doesn't like saying it too much on the record, but I mean, he alluded to it when we had him on that he's of the belief that all of the history has been faked for some reason or another, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense. It's just a matter of when it wouldn't be that fucking hard. It really wouldn't. Yeah, it would be. I mean, that's the problem when you say history, it's, it's difficult, right? Because there is. The people digging, there's a whole, there's whole industries of archaeologists and, and anthropologists and people looking into the history. Like they're not all, it's not that they're all lying. But it's they all got it from textbooks and stuff. I mean, they got an education somewhere too. Yeah. Right. I mean, you could do it in a general, like, and not right now it'd be tough, but think 200 years ago. Doesn't seem that hard 200 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, and there's a lot of these dudes. There's a lot of these dudes out here who are confused, even. Like, there's, you know, they're finding out of place artifacts. You know, they're finding like computers or like clocks and stuff, and like footprints from a hundred thousand years ago. Where's that? They found a footprint that was like a hundred thousand years old. I don't, I don't know where that was. Is that the like one in the vol- volcano? Uh, volcano in Italy, or? I'm not sure. I've seen yeah. I've seen the, the pictures of that clock or computer thing, but I know for a fact in Russia they found like these like nano technology, like these little tiny things in a cave in Russia. 
And that's what I was going to bring up with the Tartaria thing and Nikolai Tesla and the Trump time traveler conspiracy because in that in this book, um, this book written in the 1800s um, by Ingersoll Lockwood, it's called The Adventures of Baron Trump, and he goes to a cave in Russia. There's this dude named the Don, and he leads him <laughs> to an underground portal that helps him travel time and all this crazy stuff. And the kid literally looks like Baron Trump, and it's super duper weird. Well, it even goes deeper than that, right? Isn't there, isn't there about some place in New York where he ends up? Fifth, oh, yeah, that's the second book. Yeah. Oh, there's a second yeah. book. Okay. Yeah, by the same dude. There's another one called The Last President, and that's when Baron becomes president, and he literally lives on, basically lives in Trump Tower, same area, same everything. And there's a guy named Pence. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, the um, Tesla, all of his old papers, um, after he died, went to. John G. Trump, uh, Donald Trump's like great uncle, I think it was, or maybe just his uncle, but um, he was the head of MIT at one point, and so he got all the papers, and he was like, yeah, there was nothing, nothing good in here, but some of the papers went missing, and so the theory is John G. Trump had the papers from Tesla's time travel machine, <laughs> and you know, the rest is history, the rest is or retro-causality, <laughs> retro-causality, or whatever. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting to think about them faking the history because, you know, it was like early 1900s when the Rockefellers sort of ran rimshot on our fucking medical industry and took it all from and plant base to chemical base. They took and over the, the bank. banks then. Yep. And what else happens at the turn of the century? You got a fucking giant world war. So yeah. if you look at, if you look at, start looking at World War One and Two as being to fucking reshape history, and you know what? reshape the globe. And it's good to think of that because I, when I grew up, I thought we're out, we're done with the wars. We've learned like this is going to be a peaceful and time we've just on been the in earth war ever since. And <laughs> no, but but that it can happen again, like whether it's an electronic or digital war or whatever. But it's like we shouldn't put that past them. That no, they can cause because a I start to look at it as a giant war, war, war reset. Again. Like, yeah. hey, we need to change history up. We need to do this. We need to do that. What's the best way to do that? Kill a shit ton of people, invade some people, blow Fun some buildings sides. up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about the fact that they burnt down the Library of Alexandria. Yeah. We have no idea about our real history. Yeah. Totally. And within a generation, it's gone. Mm hmm. And so that's what some people think coronavirus is. They think it's just targeting old people. And so if all the old people are gone, you know, and then you're just raised in this generation of people that are totally indoctrinated by a whole new education system, like, then, then what? Well, not only that, but putting in, like, mandatory testing or tracking or vaccines or something because it's... It's full-blown global. I mean, we've had all these... Every year, there's a Ebola. They've been trying it for a while. And it's just not catching on. But now this seems to be doing the trick because they can also blame it on Trump. (laughs) Yeah. I actually thought I'd seen Trump virus trending. Oh, it's fucking... It's But the the, the, the lies, it's unbelievable what's going on right now. The doubling down, the lies, the outright fakery, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. It's hard to... I like like at the beginning, Nick, you were talking about how to keep your head above water in a way. Like, you know, you can't let this this you know, you go down these rabbit holes and you know, it, it can get kinda can depressing in a way, right? So how do you yeah. how do you just keep your head up and, and manifest your reality in a positive way? Um or do you uh huh? Or do you <laughs> I do for the most part. I mean I am not 
not always super duper happy, but I mean, I am I am doing stuff that I never thought I'd do. Like, it's all just started to happen so fast, and it's been awesome. And I do think I figured out how to manifest things to a certain extent. But for me, my secret, whatever my <clears throat> how I made it happen, I think was just writing. Because even before I wrote that book, I just had this journal that I would keep, and I'd write down my goals, I'd write down my affirmations, and I would write down things that I wanted to happen. And the first story I ever wrote, or the first book I ever wrote, wasn't really a conspiracy thing. It was just me writing a story. And this sounds like really out there and really crazy, but I wrote a story about me writing a story. And in the story within a story, I wrote a letter to God asking for, cause I was, this was like a really dark period of my life and I was <clears throat> just like really pissed off. And so I wrote this letter and I was like, okay, God, I need all the answers. I need to know if you're real. I need to know what the hell is going on. I'm pissed off. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and so like a few days later, I'm at work and this lady comes up to me that I kind of talked to. Like she tells me about her dreams and stuff. We kind of talk about weird spiritual stuff. And so she's like, my friend, my roommate, keeps having dreams about a person named Nick and I told her about you. Now she thinks she needs to talk to you. I was like, okay. So I went to their house after work and she hands me a letter. She says, this is from God. What the and fuck? No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. This was my first major synchronicity. <laughs> and I get home and I open it up and I mean, you can see right now on my profile picture, I have the 33 on my hat. Yep. 30, 33 was already playing a big role in my life at the time. I kept seeing it everywhere. And so when I opened it up, it says, read Jeremiah 3 through verse 33, 3. And I was like, okay, I know this isn't a fucking coincidence now. Like, I knew it meant something. And that verse literally says, call unto me, and I'll answer unto you all great and unsearchable questions. And I was like, okay. Holy it, shit. Yeah, so in a very godlike way, he answered all my questions by not answering them at all. <laughs> By saying ask, yeah. Yeah, asking. yeah. Darren, how do you rate that synchronicity? I mean, that is fucking mind-blowing. Seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a nine. That's pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah, and so, this, yeah, I decided to write that story after I had started going into that rabbit hole of, like, cymatics, of, you know, how sound can affect matter, and, like, in the Bible, said like God created the world through his word. And I was like, okay, well, if we're made in his image, can I create my reality with my words. So I just started experimenting with it. And actually just recently I started getting into um, Weymouth Burroughs and he talks about how writing was the first magical thing that humans were taught. You know, Hermes was the God of, he was like the first scribe and he was the first magician and he taught humanity writing according to the myths and legends. So he believed that writing was literally a magical act and you know, is a hermetic art, you know, cause writing used to be, you know, not available to everybody. It was just like the very top people. And, and I still think when you write in a journal, it's way more powerful than just typing it on the screen. I think writing has so much power. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I was just thinking about how I actually do take a lot of notes, but it's all on, it's all electronic now for me. Mm -hmm. And cause I just, I just don't have the patience for writing and I can't read it half the time. It's just <laughs> like, I tried doing a dream journal and I, and I had to use voice notes cause I, I just could not read my scribble at the, so tired in the morning and trying to write it all down. And it was just a, you know, I, I'm a so total I would writer. Just, I would just say it in my voice notes and that was better. But 
I, right? I kind of agree, though. The writing probably has more of a power. I mean, I mean just think about every great mind ever has pretty much had a journal. But then what if, but what, what if your journal is electronic and then it's actually like out there more like direct, you know, it's out in the internet. Like, I don't think that works the same as writing. No, I think you can, I think it's just not as powerful in the real world, but I do think that there's like mimetic magic, you know, that you can make things happen in the online world. But I think it's more powerful if you're trying to make change in the real world, use a journal. If you're trying to make memes. (laughs) <laughs> make memes do them online <laughs> well, <laughs> but like but like i do think memes can affect people's behavior and the, like their perception of reality and like certain things will happen just because of memes yeah like people get famous because of memes it's ridiculous yeah think, oh they're they are powerful cal- i mean hypocrisy is meme fuel and the fucking world is full of it right now so think how quick we went and, and like if you go like um think how quick we went from having the mass ability to write to typewriters happen fast like probably 20 years i'm not sure if well from everyone being able to buy like readily get paper and ink right right to like every home has paper and shit to typewriters was probably what it doesn't seem like it was that long from the pen to the typewriter oh dude it's like hundreds of thousands of years not thousands of years though because yeah, yeah, I don't they were think writing like, in pen like calligraphy goes back a fucking but everyone years? Oh, not not like not everybody in the household. I mean, yeah, certain like, people, like scribes. Like priests, scribes, scribes, and elites. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I'm saying, once the okay. pe- peasants had the ability to write, right, and they it was everywhere. Computers. They gave us all typewriters and computers. Uh, I don't know. It's a stretch. Yeah. Well, it's if a it's stretch. a stretch for Graham, it's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but so yeah, funny. basically, what I was getting at is William S. Burroughs. He he talks about how writing is the perfect way to experiment with creating synchronicity and i didn't even know that until years later after this crazy synchronicity i had but apparently other people have experienced the same thing like uh philip k dick had a story come to life and edgar Allan poe did as well but he didn't he didn't live to see it happen he he wrote a book about like uh, a ship getting shipwrecked on an island and then they like cannibalized this one kid and like 20 years later or something like that the same exact situation happened where he had the names correct and the name of the boat correct. And uh, same with that book, um, something about the about... Titan. Oh. Huh? Clash of the Titan? No. No, no, no. There's a book that predicted that Titanic, but I can't remember it right now. Oh, yeah, called? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, keep so talking, that was either sync- that was either synchronicity or conspiracy. Were you, were you talking <laughs> about the Richard Parker thing before? Or? No, eh? The Wreck of the Titan. Written in 1898, The Wreck of the Titan. Yeah, then search up that Edgar Allan Poe book as well. The Titanic, a ship billed as an unsinkable luxury cruise liner. 1886 and one in 1898 describes a fair that shared uncanny similarities with the tragedy. Sorry, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, I've heard about these contemporary authors as well that manifest or almost like a Tolpa type thing. Like they they bring their characters to life unintentionally. Yeah, right? yeah. And it makes you wonder if like everything we create, everything we think or write or create is in some, at some level or, or, um, or dimension is, is becomes real. Right. I mean, well, what are we, I mean, so that's what the news does. I mean, in a way, if they're, 
if they're trying to affect our reality, you know, it's like a script, you know, they're, they're feeding us a narrative. And, you know, a lot of people think the end times are happening. That all comes from a book, which is the Bible. And oh my I God, I, I, I think. And then, so in a simulation, what do you do? You write code. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So we've actually got a whole fucking room in our chat I knew, room. I knew he was, I knew he was thinking yeah. of that. We've got a whole room in our chat room that's dedicated to that Edgar Allan Poe story. To the, oh, really? To the point that we call Richard Parker is uh, eating dick. It turns out there's like, like three dick dudes Parker named Richard so. Parker that got eaten in boats. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we. Well, that's right. So we were following that. We found out this dude's name was Richard Parker. And then it turned out that there was two other guys named Richard Parker that met their demise by getting eaten in boats. So we deduced that to Dick Parker and it's eating Dick. (laughs) (laughs) So now the the Richard Parker um, room in our chat room is the NSFW room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's probably as good a spot as any start wrapping things up. Where can our listeners track you down, Nick? Um, Twitter, at N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N. And that's the same on Instagram. And I uh, fucked up my website, so I just don't even bother going there. I'll get it fixed eventually and then start promoting it again. But yeah, so just for now, Twitter and Instagram is where you can get a hold of it. Awesome. Me. What about the book? Yeah, and if you're interested in my book, just send me a DM. I try and get through there and answer everybody and I'll answer questions and stuff um, and show you how to get my book. I'm trying to uh, either set up a store or get it on Amazon so I don't have to go through messages every day. But so far, I'm still doing it through the DMs. And I just got 100 new books mailed to my Airbnb in oh, California. Awesome. So good stuff. I'll be selling those. Right on, buddy. Well, it was good to, good to have you on and good to chat about all this. It was a fun, fun chat. I knew it would be. Yeah. No, I had a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having me on. Totally. And we're, uh, of course, we're on Twitter following each other. So you just DM me. And if it looks like you want to be in Washington, uh, let me know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'll, I'll message you about that vision quest. Sounds good, brother. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a good time with a bunch of good people. Yeah, maybe we'll have you on later after uh, we do these random knots ourselves and we can do a little rundown. Totally. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. March 14th, everybody. March 14th, we'll be random knotting it up. My first random (laughs) knot. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Right on, Nick. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Enjoy California and come back anytime. Thank you, man. Have a good day, you guys. See you, buddy. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was our chat with Nick Hinton. What'd you think, buddy? That was fun. That, that was, was a fun one. Yep. Check out his book. Check out his Roundonauts site. I put I got all the links in the in the show notes, the two Twitter accounts and the Roundonauts and all the other stuff we talked about as well, which will be this will be a show notes filled with links. I know it already. I, I like that we came around to Richard Parker in this one. I don't know. I like that uh, seems like a good sign. Yeah, Richard Parker. Yeah, the so boy's right. name, Richard Parker. Yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's so amazing. I mean, I just love, I love these shows where we talk about reality and all the synchronicities and the and the stuff that makes us feel like we're living in the Matrix or the illusion. Totally, yeah, I really do, and I'm really looking forward to that Genesis Six uh, conspiracy talk. That'll be, 
That'll be fascinating. Is that next know. Wednesday? Uh, that is, no, it's the Wednesday after. Yeah. I it's guess not part of the triple header? Wednesday. It is part of the triple the header. triple yes, header yeah. coming yeah, up Yeah, be there on, on March Wednesday. 11th. It's going to be all night in the studio. Yeah, we got shows right from 6 p.m. Eastern all the way through till probably midnight. Yeah. Three triple header. We'll yeah. throw an intro in there. No, we Maybe. won't. Maybe. No, we'll we won't try. that day. No. We won't. No, Dad says no, we won't. No, no, it's too much. I'll probably be tired, too. It'll be the day Time after my birthday. Time goes by faster in the studio. We know that. Anyway, grammarica.ca slash support. We love you. We love you for supporting the show. We love you for letting us keep going with our lazy ramblings. This will be show 407 or some shit, 406. Thank you. We love you. Grammarica.ca slash support so you can get on the list of people we love. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff doing the show notes. Share the show. Review the show. Spam gram. Uh, be kind to another. Love one another. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. You just a drop in the bucket, baby. Just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby You're just a drop in the bucket, baby You're just a single solitary drop in the bucket, baby
Dallas Corner Store Pinching pennies La da 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 Myself a dog to be my best. 